And we are live. What is going on, everybody? It, what is going on? Uh, today we have the amazing Scott from Beard Times with Scott. If you guys watch his YouTube channel and kind of a uh, beard community member, he's been one of the people that I've looked up to since I came in. Very excited yeah. to have him in. And the cool thing about him is he matches up with us perfectly because he was a drummer for a heavy metal band and of course that is our love we are metal heads right here so what's going on scott thank you all for having me i, pr I appreciate the kind of words it's it's nice to be looked up to and i'm only like five eight five nine so i'm kind of like this poor dude that's real that's really cool enough. Yeah, well, you've been on. I mean, honestly, when I started doing beard content, or started you just getting in the beard community and looking at beard oils and stuff, you were one of the key, you know, guys out there. Still are, you know, you're still hanging around. But that was one of, you know, I looked up to a lot of the content creators from that time period, and you were one of them. So yeah, very excited to yeah, have you absolutely. on. Absolutely, I remember watching uh, early videos. Uh, I think when I first got my first product from Walmart, which was uh, Wild Willies. No. It's it's funny how all the <laughs> stories that we all share, not not to knock anybody, they're almost all the same. They are, if you think about it. We all looked somewhere, yeah, and just boom, you found that person, yeah. and then it, it, it's true. It's crazy how, in a way, everyone almost follows the same path, but different different ways. We all right. meet. And it's really, really cool how that happens. Right. Yeah, I think so too. Absolutely. Cool. Very cool. So, so we have, of course, this is the segment where we're going to talk about our favorite desserts because that's what we do here. We do tasty licks, which is our desserts. So let's talk about dessert. Scott, what did you bring in today for your favorite dessert? I held this off for the green room. I didn't say it in the green room. I had an idea. Unfortunately, because my wife is having a hernia surgery tomorrow, I didn't have time to prep it. But my, I, I got to share my idea. What I was going to make is my daughter's grandmother's famous banana pudding. And it's like one of a kind. And it's legitimately the big bowl and the layers with the a double, different versions of, of, the, of the pudding. French vanilla, then the vanilla, then the banana, the real bananas. Yeah. Dude, it's like a layer of like heaven. I didn't have time to make it, unfortunately. So I went to my – everyone who watches me, you know, my favorite thing is Skittles. And I said, you know what? Everyone knows that. So I want to step back to my number two, my two favorite <laughs> snacks that I always go to, Airheads and my Harry Boo Happy Colas. i got to have these. Yeah. They're always in the cabinet at all times. <laughs> Very if anybody, good. If anyone's asking, this is the perfect one-two combination. Cherry and orange, mix them together. Thank me later. That's all I'm going to say. There we go. <laughs> there right you on. go. Right on. Oh, yeah. Very cool. What's Andy have? And, what did Andy uh, have? So I'm going to say this time I did not. It better not be one ingredient. So last one. I brought a banana. No, today no. I, I went with the whole popcorn theme again. So I went, I went oh, just this God. week, it's popcorn. But this time it is with a little bit of Mexican in it. It's called chamoy. And okay. it is what is basically all over. If you ever have any of the Mexican candy uh, from the Southwest or from Mexico, it's layered in like a, like an orange red, kind of almost like a glue 
um, that's what chamoy is. So, and it makes it just a little bit of spicy. I absolutely love it on popcorn. I love it on watermelon. Anything like fruit wise, you can put it on there as well as, you know, like popcorn or something snacky. And you, so, you it's it's like a spicy Southwestern popcorn then. Absolutely. That sounds yeah. really good. I, uh, you know what? That's, yeah. that was what I was, that was what I, my backup plan was making popcorn. But my downfall, because I'm not as creative as you, I use the, <laughs> shaker things that everybody else does in the world but i put like every one of them that i can find on it jalapeno cheese nacho chili lime and it's like suicide popcorn because that's all that's it's a healthy snack it is unless you load it up i never thought about putting things (laughs) that you were on it yeah so you know i didn't even come up with this it's my kids so they buy chamoy and they were putting it in their drinks so it's also a very popular thing to put with your drinks and um like with uh, like a fruit fruit juice mm-hmm. and so they were putting it in there and then they started adding it to almost everything and i was like this is really good on popcorn and so yeah mm-hmm. so that was my little i don't know if it comes with popcorn i know that i made it with that so that's what i try it with so it's and it's super it. good and it is healthy and that's the biggest thing there is that i'm semi on a diet so i need to lose some weight the pandemic is has not had you know has had its way with me <laughs> i sit in a room all day you know so let's go next James, what do you got going on? I know, and then we know we got to bow down to the master, the chef who comes up with Oreo cheesecakes and and yeah. banana pudding. Yeah, I'm, I made a couple weeks ago. I made caramel popcorn, so that yes, was good. he did. Yeah, uh, but now I got uh, just chocolate chip cookies. I made some, oh. made some chocolate. So, but yeah, okay, but. Bang. Yeah, so, but here's the difference between his chocolate. So tell me about your chocolate chip cookies, because we know that these there's are, more than just, yeah. Yeah, these are banging. Like, like they're light and airy inside, but even, like, even when they came out of the oven and, and rested, like, you can just pop them open and see, like, the inner, like, layers of them. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? They're really good, especially warmed up. Yeah, so really I'm good. still going to, yeah, I'm gonna so just going to have <laughs> like, to. Uh, Whole House didn't have anything today. I don't know, man. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I was thinking that. I was just like, man, this is why I got to go out to Florida. <laughs> oh, yeah, I will I never. Sure well, that. that's not, not on my diet, not on the diet, but, yeah. you know. Yeah, just it's been a while since I made cookies, so I had to make cookies. There we go, man. There we go. So, Scott, uh, we're so excited to have you on, man. And the coolest thing about this is that Beard Scott was and he still is a drummer. So he has his, where's your kit? Your kit is like right next to you, honestly. Damn, let's see it right there. Yep. Yep. There right, it let, is. Me, let me see. Let's see. Let me see if I can show you. Maybe. Maybe. There we go. No, it won't move any further. Damn. Still. We know it's it, there. It, it's right it's there. Literally, I, the floor tom is two feet away. It's a drumstick away, honestly. Yeah. There you go. And nice. so... So he played, and you played in metal bands. He he just so here's the thing. So here's a cool connection, and we'll talk about that really quick. What was the thing you told me in the green room that is a connection with our show? When you when you started, Andy, if you guys don't know, he he's a beer content. He's semi-retired from making bearded content. I'll say that way. And he took he's taking a break, and he wanted to do something different with Tasty Licks. He brought James in, and I think it's really awesome what you're doing. 
you got my attention when you brought in a, uh, a, a guest who I actually played with that person's band before, before that person was in the band. I, I forget her name, but you had the female bass player of Kitty. And as soon as I saw that, I said, holy crap, I played with them a long time ago when they were right at the OzFest age, when OzFest was the biggest thing to go see. Kitty right. was coming through our area down in Springfield, Virginia. And I got to play with Kitty. And they I, I don't remember what year it was. It was early 2000s. Because that's a long time to say now in music history. Music day, music Music careers, you could say, oh, that was almost 20 years ago. I got to right. play with them. I was one of the opening bands, and I know I, I will never remember everyone else was on the bill. I remember it was with 18 Visions. It was at Jack's in Spring, Springfield, Virginia, which is no longer there. Uh, to answer the question in the comment, yes, I have played with Soulfly. I have the tattoo nice. on my arm. Met Max. Right. He signed my freaking arm, and I couldn't go to the tattoo shop because they wouldn't take my credit card the next day. But I do have his autograph with his book, so I got lucky. That's awesome. That's really cool. That <laughs> is, oh, yeah. Back to the question. Yeah, when you it, it made me think. I said, I said, okay, he's. I, I was saying to myself, wow, he's he's. You're you're bringing people that I know into the music into the music, and I was like, that's really really cool. I like this. I'm gonna like these these uh, interviews. Really cool. Yeah. So. And then we also had Morgan on. I don't know if you knew that she was the lead singer for yep. uh, Kitty. I got to, yeah, I, I got to actually meet Mercedes and Morgan. Um, no if anyone knows the era that they were playing, the guitar tech was a was a guy. He was playing the guitar. I shouldn't say this on camera. <laughs> he was playing the guitar back behind the stage because they didn't have a second guitar player at the time, uh, and they yeah. said. They just said screw it, and he'd come out and just started jamming. Oh and the, yeah, I remember that. Yeah, he was really cool. I was, really watching, good. I was watching like their, I was, I was watching like their story, and I remember then they had a a, a guy play play for yeah. him. I remember that he was part of the crew. I just assumed that he was a tech, you know, because yeah, you know, if you're a, if you're an opening act, you don't really have all access to everything in the back. You know, you just here's your spot. That's what you get. You know, that's how it was. There's your box, yeah. basically, right? Yeah. Yeah, he played with them for a while, for a little bit for a few shows, I think, and then they they found somebody else. Yeah. yeah. Know, you know, he left. He left the band because he he had other another band that he had to play with, so yeah. he had to leave. Oh, I, I I've got I've got to open up and play with a lot of a lot of new metal acts and such of that of that era. I will say because that's when. I was really into it, uh, into and that stuff. And then when, when I formed my own, my own band that I created, we got to a different style so that we kind of went a different, uh, different angle, I guess, a, a different genre we want to go play with, I guess. That's cool. So tell us about that. So tell us, so you were, so new metal for anybody who it's in you metal, right? in you metal yeah, I guess so. and yep. so that's the that's and it was from the early 2000s late 1990s uh but that's when they consider the new metal to come out this is when you were playing now 
when you first started into wanting to play um, new metal and into that sphere, what kind of drove you? And then what additionally, what bands you played with, what was the name of your band? And then what, where did you play? Where did you gig at? Uh, tell us your experiences with your early on experience with new metal. A group I got to, a group I ran backstage with a lot. And honestly, they got me into a lot, a lot of their shows. And, I, and at this time, I was teching for them, roadieing. And, and I started out as a fan because they were a local group. And I, out of nowhere, they had they had two singers. They were called, they're not a band anymore, but they have one CD still on Spotify, Stuck in Chaos. That's uh, K-A-O-S. They're from Martinsburg, West Virginia, where I was from. And I was li literally 20, 21 years old. And... You know, you go to a bar and you have some drinks and you see some bands, right? That's that's what we used to do when it, when you were allowed to do that type of thing. And it, there it was a loud, there was a, a following for it. And out, of, they just they started having fuel parties at their at their practice space, which was crazy. Hundreds and hundreds of people in this guy's backyard in a in a, in a on a mountain. You know, it's unheard of, right? Well. Right. And it was fun. They had CD release shows there, basement parties, and then all of a sudden, this band broke out of nowhere. They, their singer, they had, they he left on for whatever reason. I can't remember. They were, if you think about it, they were their their vocal patterns were two singers. It's hard to cut from two down to one if you if you want to continue your 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 uh, song collection and. I kind of sounded like that guy and I was a nobody and they said, you know, all of our songs here. So I said, really? Yeah. <laughs> Why would you not do that? And <laughs> well, and then they progressed and got their songs down to a one singer. And I was just like teching for them. What, you know, whatever they needed, helping out, you know, carrying, carrying gear, whatever, whatever they needed. I was, and out of nowhere, I, my old boss, we he used, we used to go to the shows together, and he said, "Come over here and let's jam." And I was, sure, you know, yeah, go kind of weird. When you think about it, going to go play music with your boss, but we we got along sure. really great. And he said, "Come over and jam." So we started playing guitar, just just legitimately, like in his living room in a little single wide trailer, playing guitar, playing bass. With our little crate amps, because everybody knows how crappy they are. We had crate <laughs> amplifiers and <laughs> our Digitech. I, cool I know exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, 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 you do. And your cool Digitech pedals that sound great. Yeah, with with the drum machine on them. You know what I'm talking yeah. about? Yep, I do absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> oh, but but you know what? I'll I will never ever say anything bad about it because it was fun. It was something to do. And I got to do, and I was playing or doing something I loved and was and am passionate about still to this day. But out of nowhere, we were making our own little demo tapes on our four track, which we thought they were awesome. And they said, uh, "Hey, on your way up, get a set of drumsticks." And I said, "What?" One of them bought a drum set, and I had sure i was like yeah okay whatever so i went and bought the biggest damn set of sticks i could find which is a mistake because they <laughs> destroyed my hands <laughs> and broke a symbol that day go figure and we just started playing and we didn't have a name and out of nowhere because of course 
we started making songs. Obviously, you don't want to call them one, two, three, and four. You want to give them names. So kept getting further, getting along, and we had to come up with a name. And I, I had, I had no, no part in the name. And of our singer, he was kind of, he followed war a lot in history. He, cut, he wanted to call our, our name band Fifth Column. Where the hell he called it, I don't know. But I know it's something that has to do with World War One or World War Two. I can't remember. And he said basically, you know, it had a meaning of some sort as you stood out. I said, and now look, I said, do you realize there's hundreds of people with that name? So obviously we trashed that. The war, worst place. We're sending it a strip club, in a strip club in West Virginia, and we're sitting there. I'm not making this up. We had strippers writing words on napkins, trying to help us think of a name. <laughs> and I still have the napkin to this day. <laughs> and they said, and, and uh, Tommy says. Because at the time, Disturbed was the big name, the big popular band. Yeah. Two band Disturbed's already taken. That name's awesome. Out of nowhere, I was. we were all annoyed and pissed off. I said, what about the name Disfigured? And I said, wait a minute. Disfigure, and true story, I got it from right here. Stain Dysfunction. Is it spelled D-Y-S function, spelled wrong? I said, D Y S F I G R E. That's it. The name is officially trademarked. I own it to this day. To this nice. day, I own that name. That's cool. Yeah. That's a cool story. Chris yeah, goes. Made, it had, it had, no, had no meaning. It has no meaning whatsoever. Just the name or the word is spelled by, spelled wrong. There's no meaning to it, really. That's awesome. That's a cool story. Now, so that means that you didn't start off as a drummer. No. When we started making music, keep in mind, our songs came from pre-drum machine, and we were making the music without a drummer. Right. It changed because we all kind of got job, different jobs and it just separated. Well, my, ba- my, my boss, my bass player, he started playing music with my younger cousin and his best friend. And... They were, I'm not kidding, I think they were under 20. Uh, Danny, I think it was, he was 19 or 20. AJ was 16 years old. <laughs> so I, I, I showed up at my own, their place. I said, okay, what's going on here? You know, here, here they're playing music together. And I just picked up a microphone because I used to holler with another group before. And boom, the band was formed right there. It was, it was right there on the spot. Wow. It, came, it was disfigured. And we started we started playing we started playing on practicing on a regular basis and finally this is how the the circle comes tenfold the guy who i replaced in that band i told you about before he started a new band we ran into each other and he says come here listen to this come here listen to this boom an hour later we had our first show booked and we had not even 30 minutes of material ready so it's two o'clock in the morning. Jason and I are leaving the strip club where we saw that guy and named our van. And we said, I said, we have to get told. I said, we have to get tell these two. So I went to their houses and woke them up. I said, we have a show in two weeks. And in March, in our official show was March 5th, 2005. We played and I had 
we had we played was was my band under every stone from Baltimore and Cora, who's from Inwood, West Virginia. We packed that place. It was it was two two bands opening shows, and under every stone they were pretty popular at the time. They had the awesomest name ever. They used to be called Porno Mint. That that name is awesome for a band. Porno. <laughs> <laughs> so they changed it under every stone, and we played. And I had we had our family there. We had about three hundred people in this little bar, and we played six songs, and we had the best crowd response the whole night. We didn't. We didn't. We we had no introduction. And I, what are we gonna do? I said, I'll take care of it. And this is all I did. I said, I got up. I got up on stage on my on his kick drum. I said, ladies and gentlemen, may I have your motherfucking attention, please? Boom. And they just went right into the first song. That's how we did it. But we were we were along the lines of hate breed. That was our style. Hardcore. Nice. You, you know, that that style. Uh we were a mix between Pantera and Hate Breed mixed together. It's what a lot of people called us. And um we were we were famous for doing the tribal thing and that's where the max and sepultura grooves come from and we played and toured the happy the, the how what do they call it the weekend warrior tour the uh weekend yeah. weekend tours throughout the week we did it for a solid close to 10 years yeah whenever oh, wow. oh yeah there were there were nights where we parked my car at my old job Go play a show and get dropped off hours later and sleep in the car. My manager would knock on the window and will tell us to get into work. We used to do that. A lot of sacrifice to play. Wow. People don't understand how much of a sacrifice it is. If you're, Big if you're sacrifice. Playing, you know, if you have a if you have a regular job, it's hard. It really is because you got to make time for practice and write your music and play it to yourself. It's right. it's it is a headache when you got different you got it's basically it's not really a bit I don't want to call it a business but it is you got you got to get all the personalities on par you got to deal with everyone's schedule everybody's families everyone's lives yeah. harder than people think absolutely so but and that's the reason why we uh, want to talk about it because to people don't realize that making music is is an awesome opportunity it is passion but it's also sleeping in your car. It's, you know, going to the next gig in the middle of nowhere, um, especially when you're first starting out. I mean, I know that when you first were starting out, you were probably, I mean, in small towns, small pubs, and then just kept growing from there. What's that stupid uh, Snapchat thing, the, the rainbow tongue thing? Yeah. <laughs> you got to love it. Right on, man. Right on. That's awesome. Yeah, that's cool. What do you got for him, James? No, yeah, I know. Uh, I remember learning more about your bands and learning more about uh, like your just how you played and, and whatnot from I think last year's the Christmas in July. And I'm not. I'm pretty sure you remember the the question that you asked was what three bands that you were in. Mm-hmm. And I think when you when you'd ask that question, I was up. I think until like four in the morning, <laughs> like literally, like that day. <laughs> And I thought I had it. Like I thought I looked. Up, I, I found like two bands, kind of pretty. Like found one pretty easy. The other one I found like another hour and a half later. The other one was. 
it was the disfigured one. And uh, I thought I had the one, but, but it, it wasn't it. Oh, 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 he's video on, on your stream or on your on your channel. And uh, yeah, you, you have just an awesome style, like, like a day, like how you play and stuff. It just, it, I dug the music as well, learning more about it. That's, that's cool, man. That's, that's, re that's really that's really cool. Um, I was like, I was, I was just just learning about. It. I was just like, holy shit! Like this, this this dude's awesome. Like you know, what I'm saying people like can hate, hate people can hate him, but like learning just about him, even at four o'clock in the morning, it was just was awesome. I will say this, and and I do, and uh, I guess you could say this is me. Uh, more behind the music, I guess you could say, to coin another show we've watched in our lifetimes. I uh, I do have a bad reputation from the bearded community as being the loud mouth and the dude that's yeah. most hated. Hence, I'm the bad guy. That's where it came from. It's not a it's right. not a it's not a it's not a Billie Eilish thing. It's a Razor Ramon right. thing. I'm the bad guy. There you go. I'm the bad guy. I used to be that way in the in when I played concerts. Though I was the singer who was. Not afraid to say that word to talk about the politicians or whatever, you know. But you got to think, it was hardcore music, metal. It was loud in your yeah. face, and people don't like to, they, they don't want to listen to it. But that's the mentality, you know, that's almost like the rock star mentality, you know. It's the rebel, right. or, you know, go against the green guy. And I didn't write a lot of political songs. I wrote about real stuff. Prime example, uh, the first to figure album that's on Spotify. Don't anyone say anything negative about it because I already know it sounds horrible because we did it ourselves. So it sucks. The quality is not the greatest, but the, the lyrics were kind of politically it was what is it called the, the in the shadows of deception. And that pretty much just sounds political to hell and back. Second one we made was Ashes to Existence, and I actually played the drums and the vocals on that entire album. Um, and we did that in, uh, Echo's recording studio that was in Sharpsburg, Maryland. It was in a, was in a bar, in a farmhouse that looked like you could knock it over with like your hand, but it, the, there was like over a million dollars of equipment in there. It was, you walk in, you can't even hear anything. You know, like beautiful sounding studio. And I'm, you know, I'm looking, I said, am I allowed to touch anything in here? You know, <laughs> it was nice. It was nice. He had, um, you may appreciate this, Andy. Uh, he has some recording equipment, something. I don't remember what it is. Something from the Beatles. I just don't no. know what it is. Because we honestly, we can only look at it. You couldn't mess with it, obviously. But right, he right. had something there, and I said, I looked at it, and I said, and I, I, we did it as a joke. Mark pulled me away. He says, you can't touch that. And I said, and I looked over at Todd, and he's really, you know, he, he didn't know what was going to happen. I said, I'll touch it tomorrow. <laughs> we knew we were joking. But it was, we, got, we got to go in that studio, and that was a crazy, crazy time. Because the music was done. Uh, obviously, I went in last. And my drummer was my cousin. He left. He was leaving. He was leaving the band. We knew it. It wasn't a, a good exit. And I didn't know it until mixing time. Uh, I got a phone call from my booking agent at the time, and he says, uh, we have a problem. Call me at work. 
He says, we have a problem. The, uh, we can't mix the album. Number one, we didn't have any warning. What we were doing, my band paid for our hobby. We played enough shows so much that we didn't have to pay for anything. You know, we had all the studio time paid for itself. All the merch paid for itself. Our gas money. They didn't pay for my phone bill. I had We had it rigged up because I had phone calls so much because I booked us so much. I had to deal with all the clubs and the bands. My phone bill was paid for by the band. That was great. Well, booking agent calls me. He says, uh, and then it turned out it was a three-way phone call. Todd, the producer, says, AJ screwed up the drums. What are you talking about? He says, he didn't play to the click track. And I said, and I did my, it all came through me. And you know how the, the, the reaction and everything's going through your brain, you know, it's, it's, it almost like, Oh, you know what I mean? I mm-hmm. said, no, I, I, it was going through my head. He just butchered everything. So I said, we don't have any money. You know, I said, we, we had enough money set aside for the album to be mixed and duplicated. I said, we can't get into that. And he and we got lucky. Todd says, I had a cancellation for today. It's been paid for in advance. If you can get down here and fix the mistake, you you he's like, you had eight hours. So I called Mark. I woke him up. I'm I'm talking in the middle of the day. I said, Mark, I told him the story. I said, get your guitar. We're going to Sharpsburg. And luckily he was only 20 minutes away from Sharpsburg. So Drove down there, and I'm not making this up. I'm sitting in the studio because Todd knew how my my setup was for the most part. And I get in there. He says, I've already got everything mic'd. you got eight hours. So we get in. Mark's guitar tracks are already done, right? This is how we recorded them. I had Mark's recording in my head. I had the actual drums enough to where I could just hear them, just enough to – just to hear the tap. And I had a click track going with it so that I knew where I was supposed to be. Mark is, mm-hmm. in, he is, um, you know how they got the glass wall, right? In right, his, right. He's on the other side playing air guitar hero so I could legitimately follow him as a visual cue. And what you hear on Ashes Do Existence is the entire album. I did it in three hours. Oh my goodness. That's crazy, man. Yeah. Legitimately, I'm, I'm like, like, I'm looking into the camera. I'm like, watching my guitar player as I'm, I'm like watching for the changes the whole time. Oh, that's <laughs> awesome, man. That's awesome. And anybody who knows how you don't get the hours back either. You, you paid nope. for those hours. And if you mess it up in some way, there's something, some fouled up, you, you got to buy more hours or you just don't make the album. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. Todd was very, 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 easy to work with for that album. He, that's good. It was, I will say that because we had all the music done and ready to go, of course, when we got there, but he added so many layers to that album. It's unreal. And good I, mix. The, yeah. Oh yeah. The, he, he mixed that thing. No, no problem whatsoever. Until to this day, I still say that is the best thing I ever made music wise or whatever. I won't say it was the best Thing I've ever created, but for uh, you know, or band I've created, I will say, but the best pro uh, recording I put out, yeah, I put my heart and soul into that. You could tell if you listen to my lyrics because obviously it's very hate breed yelling through the microphone, but right, 
that was raw. Uh, there, there was hardly any any kind of effects at all in there, except for the one where I, I screamed through Mark's uh, pickup of his guitar and actually worked. I picked it, picked it up. I oh said, wow! Yeah, uh, um, the song's Pins and Needles, and I used to well, when we played a concert. I would say there are, uh, you know, how you, you, it's got a drum roll build up. And I would I'd say there are two words you always want to tell that person who screwed you over in life, and it's not F you. And the, I would have the crowd say, eat shit. Well, that's what I said on the recording. And I yelled it through his guitar, and it picked it up in a distorted voice. I said, that's the one. That's it. Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. That's, that's creative, too. That's creative. And it's see, that's the one thing that people don't realize is how much goes into mixing an album to get the final product. Because you can we're always used to it. Look, you play guitar. The going into the studio is one of the most important part of mixing. That's why it costs so much money, honestly. And then additionally, that's the part where a lot of, you know, a lot of stuff gets changed. A lot of things get done to help that sound and to do something creative like that. And to, you know, you have your sound guy who's like, hey, I don't know if that's going to work. You try it and then boom, it's exactly what needed. That's cool, man. It's really funny how we, when we, we played live shows the whole entire time, the whole entire time I was the singer of that man, <laughs> we never, ever... They played bass of boogie amps, so I will clarify that they were loud as crap, you know. So we, when we played shows, we had the, we planned ahead. We had tall road cases on the amps and everything, but we did it because we invested the money. We're like, we need to protect our investment. The drummer was my cousin. He had cases for you know. Most people just throw their stuff in the back of their truck and just go. I can't do that, you know. I, I took care of my stuff, and. People, people would ask us to borrow our cabinets because we had Mesa Boogie cabinets, but it was easy. You know, we just slap a, a door on it and run out the door. And we tell people, just bring your amp, bring your cord, plug in, you know, because we knew we were playing last or whatever. Like, we don't care. Just play. But we told them, bring your own amp. That's the last thing we want someone to turn your knob and that'll ruin your night. Oh, but, I totally agree with you. Yeah, totally agree with you. you dialed that in perfectly to what you want to hear. We were, you, you would... the, we were known as the loudest band because we had Mesa Boogie uh, triple rectifiers. Oh wow! My bass player Jason had an SVT4 Pro Ampeg, which is insane. Sixteen hundred watt amplifier would run for their big Ampeg cabinets. Unreal, unreal. That is we crazy. We were super, big. super loud. Big old drum kit, and. I, I told them, I'm like, you know, if we're going to spend this money and, and you, you know, for this sound, we need to protect it with cases. Sure enough, they, to this day, they're, yeah, good thing we use those cases. Yeah, no shit. Here I, yeah, I, no I, doubt. I just, uh, I just jammed with a group last week and they, I think, I think I made a really good impression on them because when they opened up my Jeep, it was, it was awesome. They helped the drummer bring the stuff in, which was really cool. <laughs> you all know how that goes. The drummer's like the Lone Ranger. Yep. <laughs> Everything I had in a case. And they were, I, said, I said, yeah, I take care of my stuff. Of course. Absolutely. So that's how but, you know that you've been you've been road road warrior because of the fact that you have to protect it all because it has to go through so much abuse. Yeah, you people have to understand protect that, you know, because there are nights in all seriousness. You take that guitar and you throw it to that to, to the tech, 
he's going to drop it, and it, and it's going to piss you off. For you run, you run by, nick that wall. There goes your, there goes your headstock right there. Oh, that's yeah. happening. Yeah. But it's a good thing to have a person who's knowledgeable of your gear, such as how to, um, how, how to how to fix your you have fix things, change your strings real quick, get the intonation. But not a lot of guitar players know a lot about that intonation thing. And I can honestly say I don't, but I didn't need to worry about it. That's that that it's really sucked sucks for me to say this on camera. Jason, who was my ball semi bass player, I never needed to worry about those things. He was the bass player. He was solid and good. And he was the guy who repaired everything. And in my head, I was like, I don't have to have to worry about that because I always had him beside me. Until the day right. I left until the day I decided to leave the band. I just, I, it was, it was time for me to leave. And that was the beginning of 2013. One reason I left is because I was going, I was, um, I was getting ready to be, have my second child. And in all seriousness, it was a wake up call. It, it happens to you. And I was like, okay, I've done this enough. And at that time we just put out that awesome album and they didn't want to move any forward at the time. And I was ready to move forward musically. Right. And I said, okay, it's not working. It's time to split. So, I had my second daughter in 13. 14 rolls around. If you're a musician of any kind, and, and Andy, I know you know exactly what I'm talking about. I'm looking at you in the tent, in the screen. You get that itch. You know exactly what I'm talking about. You get it. And I, and I looked at uh, Ryland's mother, and I, I said, I'm explaining. I, just, I, I did. Oh, yeah. I, I, I got to play guitar for a punk rock band called pain like pain like like arm pain they uh they're from frederick maryland they're uh there's they were a punk rock band and they were really good they were a really good punk rock band they're um uh, they're on spotify as well uh timmy they uh they're really good very danzigish very misfits that sounds familiar good, good stuff timmy Payne used to be in a in a a famous punk rock band called So Damn Thirsty. They were pretty pretty popular in our area, and they split. They on a mutual split. They they ended their band. Timmy carried over to Pain, and they were a mix between Danzig punk rock, and they were really good. And I got to fill in a, a, a here and there playing just playing guitar, and it was fun. Well, they out of nowhere at this time, I just bought a drum set, and I was seriously was bored. Uh, I said, you know what? I'm going to buy a drum set because when I played on Ashes, I just used the studio kit. I never had my own. And, and I didn't use, I didn't have my own in this figure either because I used Tommy's regular, his kit. And then AJ come in the band and we used his. So I never had my own. I bought this Gretsch Warhawk shitty beginner drum kit off this guy. It was sitting in a in a barn for five years. That's how unused it was. Oh, it, wow, came, wow. it came. It was one hundred fifty dollars. Red wine colored. It come with the just standard beginner hardware, and it had a Tama Iron Cobra double bass pedal. And that right there was was worth two hundred bucks wow. itself. Right. So wow. I said to myself, I said, okay, I got a beginner drum set. No one needs to know that. And I said, I'm going to buy the hardware that I want, that I need. And I still have it to this day. It's what I use. It's right here beside me. 
I bought a, a rack. I have a, the curved pearl rack. I use Crash Crash China Ride. Just your standard little setup hats and one rack, Tom. I'm a four-piece. Everyone says I'm like a jazzy trap-style drummer. That's what they always say. So that's the style that I went for. And I had every of uh, my drums were flat, all of them. I don't keep anything angled. You know how most drummers, they have them up right. in your face. Yeah. Yep. Flat, all flat. And I just I kept that style. I kept it to this day. But now I use, I'm, I'm a big Pearl fan. Obviously, you can tell that. I just love the sound of their drums. I love Birch drums because they're punchy. They're tight and warm sounding on the studio. So my drum kit, which is a beautiful orange sparkle color. That's a beautiful set. I saw, I saw a picture of it the other day. It's really nice. $268 I bought the kit when I got it used at the time right. when i bought it it was like an 800 dollars kit so i got a steal mandy buys my cases 400 <laughs> so <laughs> i got better into the deal on that one but i use <laughs> pearl i use pearl drums i recently received i bought chris adler the drummer from a former drummer of lamb of god i have his snare drum the warbird nice. to make its walnut shell to 12 inch and it is insanely loud and i use uh minor cymbals and scorpion percussion sticks it's a company i found from chicago they have sticks for five dollars a pair i'm like oh, that's wow. that's, a, that's steal. a steal i couldn't pass wow. it up all right i know i'm gonna do this just because i gotta show it here's the color you know people are gonna ask Oh, it's Ooh, a beautiful goodness. color. Oh, that's, that's a beautiful. Oh, my goodness. That is nice. So much. That's about it. <laughs> no doubt. It, it's orange sparkle. Like I said, there's pictures of it on, on Instagram. I, You know what? I don't want to be egotistical, you know, because you take pictures of the things you love, right? I'm like, I could stand here and take pictures of my drums all day long. <laughs> right. Then my wife would make that's fun nice. of me. But my, I, I, I like to use stuff that not necessarily is expensive or high end. I like just like I do in my bearding companies. I, if I believe in your stuff, I'm going to use it. I'm going to support it or whatever I need to. Pearl, right, all the way. Minel, and I used to be the biggest Sabian symbol fan forever. That's what and I was I, thinking. That's the standard. I like. I like. Yeah, I, I didn't want to. I didn't want to use Zildjian because everyone uses Zildjian. Don't get me wrong; they're great. But I said, okay, my favorite drummer ever is Shannon Larkin. There's a signature right there on my shoulder. Yeah. I got his signature. Shannon Larkin is from my hometown of Martinsburg, West Virginia. Oh, True cool. story. And my stepfather tattooed Shannon when they were kids. They grew up together. I got to meet Shannon a few years ago when he came and played a blues concert down here in Waynesboro, Pennsylvania. And I got to, and I, and I, my stepdad had told me stories of Shannon when they were kids, you know, growing up. I'm telling this guy stories of his past that he forgot which is crazy. <laughs> it's awesome when your favorite musician looks at you and says, your name's Scott. He didn't know who my, he knew who I was. He talked to my stepfather about me when they were younger. And I, you know, I'm like, Oh my God, this dude knows who I am. It was kind of awesome to, for that to happen. So right. That's that was really, really cool, that was really cool. It really, really was like, I, and I'm looking at my wife. I was like, holy shit, I just met my idol. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Isn't that cool? That is really cool. 
I remember seeing um, I remember seeing Godsmack a while ago, and I think him and uh, Sully did like a drum off, and it was so badass. Well, it's weird because everyone knows Shan as being the drummer or Godsmack. You know, he's got that style. You know, that awesome. Yeah. But I go see him. He's playing blues like the Doors, and it was right. he's still he's still so just as good. You know, he's doing his Shannon Shandism things. And it's, it's so much slower, <laughs> but he was still in the pot. It, but it's Tony, the guitar player of Godsmack. Yeah. It's the bass player of Blackfoot, I think. And they have a new guy. His name's Jesse. He's a new singer they have now. Actually, they're live streaming tonight, if I'm not mistaken. I think they are. <laughs> cool. Nice. Yeah, that, that was that was really cool to meet them. We're, we're talking about the symbols. Shaden was the he's the biggest influence I have for playing drums. He really is. And I kind of, I take that to heart because a lot of people say I play a lot like him with the power, the the upstrokes and the such. He was the one who turned me on to save me. And I, I was like, okay, they're great. And I said, there's other options out there. I started like everyone else, YouTube. What's everyone using nowadays? And I saw Minel and I like them. They're, I think they're made in Germany. I think they're made in Germany, but. They have different lines, like you know, they're more expensive. Mine, the the ones I use are Classics Custom. They're brilliant, finished, and they're like two hundred dollar range. They're so they're not too expensive because there are a lot more. Because Chris Adler's symbol alone is five hundred nineteen dollars for a ride symbol, and like, yeah. So, and these, that's, these that's are one of my favorite. that's one of my favorite I, drummers, Chris Adler. Oh yeah. Obviously, because yeah. I use the snare. I mean, I really enjoy it. <laughs> yeah, four five hundred nineteen dollars symbol all the time. Yeah, but I, I I like to use the companies that I know make really good quality products, and I stand behind them. If I would, if I had the opportunity, you damn right, I would endorse this company, and I would you know, glad they'd be a part of their team if I could. Right, never happened, but you never know. Yeah, you never know. I mean, you Moving could pick, you could pick up a gig. You could pick up a gig. You know, you never know. Yeah. Well, that's what happened. I uh, I got to tour with Pain. I played the punk rock tour with them for, I think it was a solid week. And it was fun. Van shut us down, so we had to stop. <laughs> they go in, the, the van blew up. So left that gig, and I come back home. And I, I don't know where. I said, I want to make something new. And I found Chris, my old guitar player from Disfigure, who left when I did. We started playing, and... He said, I want to have a female singer. Kind of unheard of in the rock and metal era nowadays. Not a lot of people do that anymore. Well, we had a famous a famous one in our area, Shelly Metz. She's she's pretty much missing in action now. No one ever hears from her. She sounded like Amy Lee. That was her favorite. She yeah, Her band was called Dreams and Fear. Go look up that band on Spotify. Yeah, they were amazing. Really, like really sense. Yeah. Dreams and fear. Well, I got the, I played a couple of shows with her band and I don't know where, and I told Chris, I said, you're never going to get her because uh, I didn't think she'd want to play music anymore. Sure enough. She showed up at my house <laughs> and, and I, I was, and I'm looking at him, you know, cause when you got the nucleus of your band, whoever it may be, you, you know, you're in, you, you got that, that mind frame, you know, yeah, this is the one, you know what I mean? You got that, you know what each other's thinking. So we're playing our so to be songs to her and she starts writing lyrics right there on the spot. And I looked at him and he's asked, he asked me, 
he, he's like, he said, what do you, you think she's thinking? I said, I think she's our new singer, dude. I said, this is an open book, a closed book thing. He says, are you sure? I said, she's writing lyrics to your song, moron. <laughs> so we played, we became solace in tomorrow. If anyone knows my YouTube channel, that was my, that was the music you heard for years with the female singing. That was the group that I was in. We recorded the one song that's on Spotify. It was amazing. The song was amazing. We only paid $350 for it. And the quality is great. Out of Darksville Studio, Jeremy Dove is he's the best dude I've ever worked with when it comes to making music. And I wish we could have made more. I really do, because it was fun. My claim to fame playing with them, not making this up, we got a call from the Fillmore. Fillmore in Silver Spring, Maryland. At the time, Evanescence was making their big return to the world. They wanted a female-fronted band to open up the show at a big at a big venue i will say we had to guarantee that we could have sold four thousand dollars worth of tickets and i said are you insane <laughs> yeah they without a hesitation they seemed like that wasn't uh, a big problem and i said and then we weren't even in a, we weren't even a man one year i said you do realize we're still you know um grinding our teeth i was like we don't you know we're nowhere near that this is a great opportunity. We think you can do it. And I said, if you think I'm taking out a personal loan to give you $4,000, you're out of your mind. <laughs> right. But the, the thing is, you know, it was, it was not that it wasn't in our actual area that we play. And think about it. When you buy tickets to go see corn, Rob zombie, some big name, are right. you really going to buy them from the opening act? Or are you going to buy them from live nation or wherever, where, you know, you're getting exactly. tickets? Exactly. I tried to explain this to them. I said, this is the greatest opportunity I've ever been offered. I said, we can't do this. I said, we are not going broke or taking out loans to pay right. for this show. And it probably would have been the greatest show we would have ever done, you know, because that would have been the, that would have put us on the map. And I, right. the band understood. And I, I said, we have to regretfully turn this down. So, we started grinding, getting our name out there, and we got on the radio, did an interview, and all that stuff. And it kind of came and went because drugs got in the way from one of from Shelly, and she stopped showing up. And I went on tour, uh, a group we were playing shows with, eighteen eighteen from Pennsylvania, not even ten minutes away from me. Hey, we got offered to go on a national tour can you drum for us? And I said, and I thought about it. <laughs> it's fucked up. I proposed to Mandy on at Christmas time in 2016. And I told her, I say, uh, I got asked to do this. And I knew it wasn't going to be a long-term thing. I, I knew it was going to come and go. I said, I'll do your first tour and then you're on your own. So I come back. Or oh, while I was out there, we broke down. We kept going. And we had the greatest time. We got to play with four or three other bands that were young and hungry like us. Actually, the one that I, that we opened up for, Kira, they're touring with Seven Dust right now. Oh that wow! Was really cool. So we uh, we got our we got our name out there, and we we played Missouri four nights in Texas, four two nights in Louisiana, Atlanta, Tennessee, Kentucky, North Carolina, and then back home. That's cool. Yeah. That's really cool. 
So, so I, was James, out on, I was out on tour and I was told by my Solace of Tomorrow bandmates that they were going to quit. And I, it's ignorant of me to say this. I said, you go do what you want to do. I'm actually doing something with my talent. You can go whatever you need to do. I'll deal with it when I get home. And then I come back from tour and haven't really done anything since until last week. I actually got to jam with a band for the first time in four years. Wow, that's awesome, man. That's awesome. It's, I was really excited when you had messaged me about wanting to get on to do this because I kind of got that itch again, as you can tell. I'm sure you can already see it in me. And yep. Blood and Earth was the name of the band that I got to jam with, and it was a really, really fun time. I got to learn. I got to play some of their tunes with them, got to meet. You know, it's fun to – it's boring playing drums to yourself because you're laying with the headphones. When you're in a room with a bunch of musicians playing, it's fun. It's a different, it's a different vibe. Uh, and we get to, we got the so they are a lot yeah. like I told them they're a lot like Shadows Fall, like that thrashy hardcore thrash metal type sound. Yeah. And I really like that. That's cool. How fun. That's awesome. Yeah, you don't get rid of the itch. Um I've I've had guitars for a long time and you just have to pick them up. You just have to pick them up. And I don't you know, there would be times where you get really busy with kids, but that guitar is still sitting there and it's still always, you know, you still got to pick it up at least. I pick it up. At, I'm, I'm practicing daily now, but, um, you know, I, I think I went through a couple of years where I was picking it up at least once a week, but it still wasn't, you know, you still got to keep the chops up a little bit. But man, that's so awesome that you're able to go out and play again. That's the really great thing about the you know things opening up from the pandemic stuff is the fact that you can now play with bands again i mean that's what everybody's so excited to play again every time i look on instagram hey we're live again everybody's just so excited to see live music yeah i am super duper excited uh one of my favorite bands is coming through the area in october oh cold they're from the new metal era. If, if anybody was a fan of Limp Biscuit, you know who Cold is because Fred Durst signed them. And they were, yeah. if you never listened to them, go look up their uh, album, 13 Ways to, Die, to Bleed on Stage. Very, very emotional album. But they, just go watch them play. And that's all I got to say because they're one of the best bands I've ever seen. Really, really cool. And I'm really looking forward to going to seeing them. Yeah, that's cool, man. That's very cool. Yeah, There's we just a, uh, we just got we just ordered some tickets uh, for a show in November, which is actually on my dad's birthday, um, for ZZ Top. Oh, cool! Yeah, ZZ Top in November. I would He's love to go see that. First time ZZ seeing him. Always wanted to see him. Oh yeah, you'll love it. I saw ZZ Top with Toby Keith. They were the opener for Toby Keith for a Toby Keith concert. That's awesome. Yeah, totally That's agree. Cool my, my mom got to meet Billy Gibbons back in the late 80s when they came out with their, like, big old infamous, like, Cadzilla, the black Cadillac. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. Yeah, she, got to meet, she got to meet Billy Gibbons. Oh, that's cool. There, yeah. You know what? They, talking about your little, I was, I, the ZZ Top, back when they first started recording, sounds like the t- that little barn that you're talking about that was like a huge, you know, you would very, like, hey, wh- where are we going? That's a studio. That's exactly where they recorded their first album from is yeah. something very similar in Texas. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. Um, yeah, 
That's cool, man. You know what? I've, I've really enjoyed this discussion. Um, what is your favorite venue so far to have played in? Hmm. Oh my goodness. That's a, I'm going to say it's a, it's a toss up between two of them. Two, two venues. The first one, the first one's probably going to be the one that I would, I played the most. And it's not even a venue in my hometown anymore because the, the man who owned it, he passed away a few years ago. It's really cool. It's called Cookies. It's not, it doesn't exist anymore. Cookies was this one big open room bar. You know, one big room. Had a pool table in the back. And that's And that's about it. It was the most fun because at that time, our local scene, everyone was there. You always knew that there was going to be four or five other bands coming to watch you play to help show support and to get their name out there as well. It was always packed. You always knew there was something going on at cookies all the time. And sad that Dale had passed away because of cancer. And it was really cool because he always called us the house band because this figure played there probably the most because we were there. If we were the call, the band, we had a cancellation. We were always there, no matter what. That's what we we always did it for Dale. He passed away in 2016. Kind of sad. Brings a little bit of a tearjerker moment. Right. We were the last band to play on the stage. Wow. We were. Uh, we got wow. asked to. We come back. At this time, keep keep this in mind. I was the drummer of Solace and Tomorrow, and. At, uh, we, me and this figure weren't on the best of terms at that time. And they, it, uh, my old booking agent who used to book this figure, he calls me and he says, hey, there, we're setting this up for, for Dale for a memorial. I said, he says, I got this figure. He says, I got to have you play. And I had nothing against it. I said, are you sure that I'm going to be allowed to walk in the room with them? You know, because I didn't know what was going to happen. I was making it as a joke. He says, I would certainly hope not. I would, you know, he was being professional. I said, you know, we're going to do it. I said, okay. So I get up there, I get there, you know, and at the time everyone knew all the, you know, it's almost the same as drama in any other community. You know, all the bands are like, Oh my God, they're, they're going to have a fist fight. We walk <laughs> up, we walk up to each other and we, it's just like, you know, you just walk, it's just, a, you know, it's like old times. I walked up. He picked my nose. I picked his nose, and boom! You know, it's it, we're about, you know nothing happened, and um, and people they were getting ready to we played, and and I'm not going to say they they played they put on a good show. My band we stole the show because we actually played new material that was better than the stuff we made before, and people were like, "Oh my god, you guys are getting better!" But also, we had been working on our choreography spinning sticks and doing the group head bangs. You know, we were trying to put a show on. So we kind of were in sync. <laughs> this figure gets up there and they, and of course, everyone, everyone's, he says, get up here. I got up and sang the last two songs with the group. And it was like kind of a, ugh, excuse me, tearjerker moment, you know, cause you're like, holy shit, this has been 10, 20 years in the making. And we're now closing this bar. I was like, wow. It was a really good, Really good. Second venue ever, a favorite venue. It's one down in Louisiana. I sad to say this, I don't remember the name of the place, but I know I was in Slidell, Louisiana. 
is when I was torn with 1818. We showed up in this town, this town, and it's just one of them towns on Saturday nights that closes at 12 o'clock and everything shuts down. There's nothing, you know, it's your home, whatever. We get there at 12 o'clock. Sure enough, everything's closing except the liquor stores and the bars. So we're sitting at, we check in at the bar, and they said, well, we're not going to open till 5. You guys here do whatever, whatever. So we go to this this mom and pop little bar, and I'm not kidding. You walked in the door. I'm, I'm legitimately front door. One foot away is the bar stool, bar stool number one. So this this Louisiana girl with that accent I'm doing right now, she says, howdy, what can I get for you all? You're not from around here, are you? I looked over at them, and, and we had a female bass player, Whitney. She was the best drinker of all of us on that fucking tour. It was great. She says, it's shit-faced in here, aren't we? I said, uh-huh. I said, just smile. I said, just smile in order. So we're sitting in there, and Whitney is actually, she was the woman who, the person who educated me about drinking bourbon and certain bourbons. You know, that's a different community as well, the drinking community. And she right. was, you know, this is good. This is good. Well, at that time, I was on this scotch kick. I was loving drinking scotch. I'm not making this up. They had a half a bottle of Johnny Walker Blue. You know, it's like $200 a bottle. Right. Well, I drank a drink. I took a drink. I said, how much would you charge me for a shot of that? $5. And I looked over at everybody. But here, it's 40 to $65 a pour. <laughs> so I said, can we get one each? Sure. So I asked her, I said, how much will you charge me to take the rest of that bottle home? She said, $20. I handed her $50, and we ran out the door. <laughs> we're running downtown in Louisiana with an open scotch bottle because I didn't have the lid Whitney's falling behind me I right. cannot believe you did that I said shut up get to the van <laughs> so I had come home with a half a bottle of scotch that I paid $20 for of Johnny yeah. Walker Blue that's, that's awesome. great but that's we get to the venue we're down in Louisiana at that time frame we have Yingling because you know, we're from PA. That's like our, our beer of choice because it's our beer here. They had it in Louisiana. They had it and no one was drinking it because they didn't know what it was. They gave us three whole cases of Yingling to take with us for free. They gave us all free bar tabs, the entire, all four bands. They gave us an apartment in the back that we could have stayed in and showered and washed our, dish, our clothes and everything. And they fed us a whole buffet of like Cajun food. Oh wow! And Mushroom Head walks in the door. Mushroom wow. Head was playing the next night, and you know, and we're like, because they they wanted to see who was playing, you know, before, and they didn't no one knew who they were because they didn't weren't in their getup, you know, they were in their street clothes. I said, "That's Jeffrey." Nothing. Smile, shake his hand, say, "Hey, what's up?" They and. I, and he walked in and he says, you're the only one who knows who I am. I said, yeah, we'll keep it that way. <laughs> Nobody knew him because they weren't in their masks and stuff. I was like, I know who you are. That's cool. But that was one of the greatest shows ever because we're in the middle of a town that no, no, they didn't know any of us. And they treated us like we were kings, all four bands. And all the show, the whole performance was great that night. It was really fun. Yeah, that's cool. 
Yeah. That is really cool. I love these stories, man. I unfortunately have a hard stop because you know what tonight is uh, for anybody out there who is a basketball fan. And uh, we got the Sun shirt on tonight. The Suns playoff game finals game two is on. So and also we like to keep it to an hour. So, um, yeah, that's mostly the reason we keep it to an hour. But uh, what we do want to do is have any last words uh, from you, Scott, any last thing that you want to impart about your musical journey, um, anything that's coming up for you that we could look for? Uh, um, Musically, I I really can't answer that right now because I guess you could say I did a tryout for Blood and Earth, and I don't know if if it's – I got the gig. I know they're still trying people out, so I'm not going to put them on the spot, but – you may see me drumming for them in the future, but I really, I come from the bearded community. That's where a lot of you know me from, but I kind of done as put it on here. If you all are wanting to see me play stuff, let me know on my social media, because honestly, all I have to do is turn the camera to the side and film me playing tunes or whatever I've, I've never actually endeavored into doing that yet but a lot of people have asked me why don't you yeah. do that well, well you know, know, I, I, I ask you james what what why would you want me to do that I, I really i've never been asked to do that before how why would you want me to do that oh why would you want why don't you play yeah i mean i think just because everybody else is wanting to but like also it's just a like just to see you jam out and just just and that's about it, really. Just join enjoying a jam session. Yeah. Well, it, it, I asked that question because as I when I was making music and stuff, that never really come come across to me. You know, we should be filming this live at that time right. frame. That wasn't a thing to do. You know what I'm saying? Now right. the right. that's a new generation and stuff. Right. Filming live is like a thing to do every day. Ten years right. ago, we would have been looking at each other. Right. Right. What 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 do you make a live DVD? That's about all you would think of, <laughs> right? Right. But the thought has crossed my mind. Honestly, it has, and I'm really considering doing it. I just need to get better, and I probably need to talk to you, Andy, about getting the audio equipment so that when I'm hitting assemble, it doesn't sound like your um, you know, your your phone's gonna die. You know what I'm talking? About? Oh yeah, we can definitely hook you up with. Uh, I I can tell you what I would use. Yeah, for sure. Because I've never really mic drums or know how they would sound other than annoying and yeah. rambunctious. Yeah, I got right? the SM50. Yeah, sure has a whole set of nice drum sound, drum things that you can use for drums. Yeah, very cool. Yeah, okay. I'll definitely be happy to help you out. And then what digital interface to throw at you? Yeah, there's some really decent, affordable di- digital interfaces that you can go use and you can just pipe it right into your phone or into your computer, either one. That's what I use. I use a digital interface with my Shure mic. I have okay. a Shure SM7B, which is, you can use that for drums, but um, I would go SM57 with your drum kit to better instrument one. But yeah, we can talk offline for sure. Okay. Cool. James, any last questions? Yeah, man. Uh, it's been a pleasure. Yeah, it's been awesome kind of to get, to get everybody into into this and, and like I said, getting to know more about you and everybody else knowing more about you. I appreciate the time. I really, awesome. I really do. I want to. I'll end on, on this note. Everyone, uh, keep my wife and her hernia surgery and your thoughts and prayers for us tomorrow. Oh yeah, in prayers. Absolutely. 
Absolutely. And thank you, everybody who joined us, everybody who's in the live stream now. We totally appreciate you coming in every week. Me and James just have a blast with the, you know, doing this. Uh, music is our passion as well. And talking music is absolutely been just a complete blast. Scott, thank you so much for coming in um, and sharing your stories. Absolutely, absolutely enjoyed it. And so we'll have to be able to we'll we'll catch up with you again, you know, when you get maybe, you know, in a bit see what your, where your career's going. We'll, we'll catch up with you. So uh, again, thank you guys all for coming on in. Rock on guys. Rock on.